Hello and welcome to Pop and Politics. This is the podcast where we delve into the music world with politicians. I am the pop fanatic Alex Charles. And I am the pop specialist Isaac Marley. I do love a tiny smidgen of Shawn Mendes. Shawn Mendes? <laughs> it changes every week. <laughs> it changes every it week. It does indeed. We like to keep it going. Turn up your volume and get ready to immerse yourself into the world of pop and politics. We're going to the east of England today, which is interesting. We're off to Clacton, and the MP that we've got for you, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, is the Conservative MP for Clacton, Giles Watling. Hi, Giles. Welcome along to Pop and Politics. Hi, guys. Hi, Isaac. Hi, Alex. How are you doing? All I just want to say that was a phenomenal intro. Like, you fully just went for it. <laughs> that was phenomenal. Well, I, I, knew, I, knew, I knew I was going to kind of screw it up on the team. No, don't maybe. say that. I don't think you screwed it up. I think it went really well. Oh, good. That How long have you yeah. been playing for? No, I've been playing all my life. Um, I, I never got to any great standard, but I, I just love it. So I have, uh, I, I just I just like having guitars around me. I, I keep one in the office to irritate my staff with during the day. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm always learning a new tune, always, always something new. Uh, and there are new tricks to learn all the time. I had two older sisters. Uh, my, my older sister, Dillis, and my other older sister, Debbie. Dillis, 10 years older than me. Uh, Debbie, uh, five years older than me. So as a very young boy, you know, I was introduced to jazz uh, through Dillis and the early Elvis stuff that was happening at the time. And then, of course, when the Beatles came along in 62, thereabouts, Please Please Me and all that, Sister Debbie was into that. So that was in my ears the whole time. So I kind of grew up with the with the influence of the Beatles and, and earlier jazz, uh, and then uh, along comes you know the Rolling Stones. I see a line of cars and they are painted black. And the Kinks. She walked up to me and she asked me to dance. I asked her her name and in a dark brown voice she said hello, 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 hello. And all of that early 60s, mid 60s stuff. And then suddenly um, along came heavy, uh, well before we called it metal, uh, but along came heavy. And I thought, this blows my mind. This talks to my generation. Uh, and um, I, 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 I sort of kind of got into that. I was the long haired hippie of the late 60s, uh, early 70s. And then Queen hit the, hit the town. And that just was supreme stadium rock. And I'll never forget the first time I heard Killer Queen, uh, their first big hit, uh, which was precise, Brian May's guitar playing, just superb. And then, of course, the day Bohemian Rhapsody came over my car radio, I just had to stop the car to listen. Do you know what I find really fascinating? is whenever people mention Queen, within about five or 10 seconds, the next track they mention is Bohemian Rhapsody. And I think it's just fascinating the impact that that song has had on guitarists and just the music scene in general, and just Queen, the impact they've had, it's incredible. 
Yeah, yeah, it has been extraordinary because it, it broke all the molds. Uh, we were used to, um, and the Beatles, I mean, really, I mean, going back to the Beatles, the Beatles hits were astounding. And and, and the more I hear them, I'm, I'm an old man now, but you know, the more I hear them, the, the more I think how groundbreaking that was. But when Killer Queen came out, which was really good, and you remember it started with just a click, she drinks Moet to Chandon from a pretty cabinet, etc. That was really precise stuff, different. But Bohemian Rhapsody, Broke even the Beatles molds and went into another and into another uh, realm entirely, which was big stadium rock. Um, so they all moved it forward as they go along. Uh, and um, you're right. If you mention Queen, you have to say Bohemian Rhapsody within seconds. So, sort of venturing away from the guitarist, what sort of music were you listening to when you were growing up around the house, really young? What sort of music was it that was capturing your ears almost what sort of music were you listening to growing up well my parents uh my, my father loved the big bands he was uh, a man of world war ii uh, etc and he fought in the raf during world war ii and of course glenn miller was around the big bands were around uh and my parents were into swing bands that kind of thing um but as i say my sisters you know they, they got me kind of ahead of the game musically because they were listening to stuff that i wouldn't normally as a five-year-old be listening to six-year-old seven-year-old be listening to because they were growing up. When I was five, my sister Dillis was 15. So she was into the music of the time. And we're talking, uh, we are talking mid, late 50s. So with that being said, could you argue that your music taste for a five-year-old or when you're growing up was very advanced for your age? Well, I would have thought so. Um, I didn't really think of it like that. It just happened. You know, you, you don't know, do you? You grow up one way, you have no idea uh, what other people are doing musically. I'm going to just take things a little bit forward now and we're going to start to think about the kind of music that you got into when you first started out in politics. Well, um, ha, you've got to bear in mind that, you know, you're talking to a 70 year old guy who only started in politics about 10 years ago. You know, so, uh, hey, I, don't I, downplay I, it like that. That is very impressive stuff. <laughs> don't downplay it. Now, I spent 55 years in show business before I started any, any, any of this stuff. Um, and uh, back in, well, it was uh, 2007 actually, when um, I decided to put into my local community by becoming a, uh, a local councillor. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be elected. And I enjoyed that, but it wasn't kind of full-time politics because whenever I, I took a theatrical engagement, I would go on that and become a backbencher, if you like, in the local council. It was only 2014 that I started looking at Parliament. And that was uh, pretty, uh, pretty accidental, really, because I just happened to be standing here in beautiful, sunny Claxton uh, when Douglas Carswell crossed the floor and went to UKIP uh, and, and somebody needed to take him on. So I found myself taking him on. Not very successfully, I have to say, at the time, but I took him on. And then I took him on again in 2015 and finally won the seat in 2017. So you want you ask me who my favourite um, or most influential? I guess you you can't mention the blues without mentioning John Mayall and the Blues Breakers. People won't necessarily know who he is now, but he was very influential in the sixties. And of course, out of that whole cradle of blues, that uh, British blues at that time, they got it from the Mississippi Delta, the old blues men, Muddy Waters, etc. Um, but then you come to John Mayall in the British blues scene, and of course, there's Eric Clapton, who is you know hands of God, he, he really knows his way around a fretboard and is stunning. And I've been lucky enough to see Eric on a couple of occasions at the Albert Hall, and he's just uh, an amazing musician. And um, hats off to him. I wish I could do a hundredth of what he does. What's what sort of your favourite blues track or what sort of favourite rock and roll 
track to play on the guitar? Uh, when I'm playing, uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you this absolutely free for now, Alex. I'm not going to be doing any of that now because I am <laughs> rubbish, but I do try. Uh, and recently I've been trying with Layla. I screwed it up there. Uh, and uh, But I, I do try, and, I, and there's only one way to do it, is just to sit there and do it again and again and again and again. This is what drives my staff in the office. When I have a little bit of downtime, uh, and we finish one piece of work, another piece of work, just to de-stress, I pick the guitar, and we'll run through a track again and again. Um, so my favorite at the moment, what am I playing? I don't know, I'm, I'm doing a bit of Hendrix. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a bit of um, Purple Haze, uh, which, which, is, which is just amazing. Free, freeform guitar, he just knew his way around. Again, but he played it upside down, he was a left hooker, you know, crikey, how do you manage that? But uh, no, amazing. And Hendrix could just go. Hendrix, I would argue, didn't have the best voice in the world, but by God, he had feeling. He did indeed. And, you know, one of the best musicians of our time and a classic artist at that. And you mentioned as well, when you play your guitar, it's often a time when you get your staff members and whether or not they like it, they get to listen to the guitar <laughs> music and so forth. But I'm also wondering as well, for other Conservative MPs that you meet or for other Conservative members that you see, are they also uh, into blues music, into guitar music? Are there any other MPs that secretly like a little bit of a, a guitar lick here and yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. The there are all sorts of MPs who do this um, mm -hmm. across the party. Uh, you know, there's Sir Greg Knight, one of ours, conservative, uh, there's, and there's Kevin Brennan, Labour. He, he's, 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 he's a great guitarist. When, in fact, Kevin is, is way ahead of me. Uh, he, he literally performs with a band he's got, and I've been out to see him play at the 100 Club in Oxford Street, and he, he's just recently... I'm promoting him now. I'm promoting a Labour MP. There you go. But he's just he's just he's just recently produced an album. You know, I think it's called uh, is it is it the Cowboy and the Cigarette Girl or something? Ah, oh, the Clown and the Cigarette Girl. Uh, and uh, you know, he, he really works. So there, there's a lot of music around. People like it. And Pete Wishart, uh, he, he's uh, the Scottish guy. And and the, the, there's uh, there's a lot of music and a lot of musical involvement. People because I, I really believe, having been in the performing arts all my life. Um, this is soft power for UK PLC. And, um, you know, it's not just playing. This is important stuff. Music should be in all schools. Everybody should get an opportunity to play music. Um, it, it lightens the spirit and does all of that. But also it sells us UK PLC across the globe. And we've been doing it. We keep invading America. And, and you know, let's Keep, keep that going. Absolutely. My school era was very much in the noughties, the early noughties, the mid noughties, the late noughties as well. And I remember music education in schools being well provided for. Like we had the primary school, but we had our specialist music teacher, someone that came in and taught music and really kind of gave a broad variety of the genre of music and taught musical instruments to us and showed their enthusiasm for it and really provided a good knowledge of music education. One thing I have also noticed, Giles, is that over the last couple of years, that kind of specialist music education has been in decline. There has been a tendency to focus so much more on the maths, on the science, on all the academic side of schools. Recently, we had Rishi Sunak getting students to do maths up till the age of 16, up to the age of 18. And there isn't much of a focus on music education. Well, you're missing, they're missing a point there, though, because, um, yeah, I mean, of course, maths is important. STEM subjects are important. Um, I can't, I can't, and, and, and uh, vital, vital. But um, I come from, uh, as I said, the performing arts side, and I think that is equally important. 
but there is a crossover because music is mathematical. Uh, you, you have to know how the figures come together. How it, and, and if you can think in terms of, of musical scales, etc., there is a lot of math, particularly if you enter the realms of classical music. I love all that stuff. Music is everything, but it does cross over into mathematics, etc. And and you'll find many a mathematician is 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 bowled over by music and, in, and engaged. I think we need to be careful about all performing arts being regarded as a frippery, as an extra, as an add-on. They aren't. They're vital to what we are. And may I say, while we're at it and going slightly off the subject of music, is you know I was I was an actor. I was in theatre. And since the time of Shakespeare, this country has benefited from us exporting our great theatrical offer right across the world. Don't regard it as a frippery, it is part of what we are. Because of my background, I've been, I've been focusing on theatre. So just recently, I went to uh, Tendering uh, Technical College um, just around the corner here, which has had issues and, and bits and pieces, but they have a very strong uh, theatrical involvement, which of course spills over into music. Um, but uh, I went round to, to give a masterclass to some students there um, and show them what a stage was about, show them about focus, about, um, uh, about how, it, how it all works and how live theatre is, is so important. Um, it's all very well to watch television or film, but the whole issue about... Whoa, sorry, the dogs have gone off. Um, uh, about, sorry, sorry about that. He'll, he'll get over it in a minute. Um, but um, so, so if, you, if you go into... Uh, if you go into a school and you start talking theatre, they get that um, theatre is a, an emotional one-off experience. It's a connection between the performers and the people watching, the audience. They absolutely get it. And because I, th I'll give you one great example. I was in a play called uh, Noises Off. I did 554 performances, I think, of this, of this play. And I can swear, hand on heart, no two, two performances were the same. The people who came into that auditorium, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, come in and they form a corporate identity. And amazingly enough, we performers on stage, within 10 minutes, can work out what they're like. We get a feel for them. And because we do that, we infinitesimally adjust what we do to suit that audience. And we get this laugh, or we make that point, or we make this work or that. And, and they really get it. And at the end of the evening, everybody leaves that arena, that space, with a different experience, but it is unique and will never happen again. And that's the, the, import, that's the great advantage of live performance, be it music, be it theater, over recorded. I mean, they're great recorded things, and I think film actors are amazing. We pay them so much because it's so hard to do. But to walk into a theatre and come out of the space with an emotional enhancing experience is just amazing. Absolutely, of course. I think you're the first MP that we've recorded with that's touched on this idea of theatre and musical theatre as well, which, of course, is very, very good at capturing an audience in a completely different way. There are areas of music where you can be a little bit political. What areas of music are you referring to? Well, for instance, uh, Billy Bragg. We know where he comes from. You know what you're going to get. Um, when you go to Billy Bragg, you know, and, and, and Billy Bragg and I think Boris Johnson have uh, shared a stage together at one time, you know, which is extraordinary uh, when you think about it. For, 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 but you know, you know where it came from. You know what you're going to get. You're going to, you are going to get a, 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 I can say it, a left-wing kind of view on life. Uh, and, you know, fair enough. But but he, he is performing to a certain audience that he knows he's going to get. Um, so he's not going to the to, to the, the general public out there. He he is very popular within his uh, media, within his realm, 
uh, and and does what he does very well. Uh, but he's not going to get to the general audience. There will be people who will turn off to him. I was kind of known, I guess, for my theatre work, a uh, few musicals, uh, and situation comedy, uh, which which I was heavily involved in. Uh, for some period of my life. The irony is that people expect, because you're an actor, you know, oh, it'll be easy, you'll just stand up in the chamber and talk. No, 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 it's a completely different discipline. As an actor, with any luck, you've got a good playwright who's written your words for you. And you you are, you are then have to be somebody else, which is great, because you're hiding behind it. Well, you're not hiding behind it. You make that your reality. As a politician, you're naked. You stand up there and you say what you think, what you really believe, and you, you aren't hiding, you're being yourself. And for an actor, that is, well, from my, in my experience, that was slightly unnerving. I, you know, for the first time I'm on a stage with umpteen cameras looking at me, being broadcast around the country. Uh, and, and you're seeing for the first time in 55 years, me. Um, it's quite naked. Um, but I think that um, being able to talk to people, being having the ability of understanding a stage did help, but it is still a very different skill. It all comes from a desire initially just to put back into the community that I live in and been part of for so long. And um, as long as I do that, which is why I'm not climbing the greasy pole. Unless somebody offers me a job in culture, performing arts, etc., within government, uh, I'm really not interested. I'm, I'm doing my bit for my community down here uh, as best as I possibly can. And um, I think um, they appreciate that. So that's quite gratifying. Which is really good because I think especially in areas away from big towns and cities, it's really good that there are MPs like yourself that are going into your community who are looking at what their constituency... Obviously, it's not to say that all MPs are just focused on what's happening in Westminster and they're not focused on their constituencies, but it's also really good to hear from you, Giles, that you are out there in your constituency, speaking to the people of your constituency, finding out what those core issues are on people's doorsteps as well. And that's really encouraging to see that you are, of course, listening to your constituents and taking in what they are saying and what they're feeling. And I'm just thinking in an area of that country, which is mostly conservative, I'm, I recognise that your area is conservative and most of the areas around you are also conservative. What's the general mood like within your constituents? What do they what are they saying? How are they feeling? What what are the main issues that arise when you talk to them in that conservative area of Clacton? Well, it's um, it, it just f f at the top of the list when I talk to people on the streets is immigration, how we get how we get control of this, how we make it fair and stable uh, for the country, but also for the immigrants. So, so that, that there isn't um, uh, people aren't suffering. One of the one of the big things, you know, because it, it gets it gets uh, lots of publicity for for terrible reasons, is the boat people people dying on the high seas. I'm I'm a yachtsman. I use the sea, uh, and I go out there a lot. I know how dangerous it is out there, uh, and we have to break the model of these evil people smugglers. And um, people get that, um, but they don't quite understand. People tend to lump it all in together. You know, legal migration with illegal migration with um, people uh, going into holding centers, etc. It's it's a big mishmash and it's very difficult to tell the story, but people on the doorstep, which is the question you're asking, just want it controlled. Um, and I take that away. That's my carry away. Uh, and yeah, I see what we need to do. But what we need to do is make it fair and just for all. What we mustn't do is chuck people in the sea. I mean, turning people is just, we've got to make sure. But it, it 
you've got to remember, it's not just the boat people. That's the one that gets the headlines. Not long ago, we had 39 people buy and die in the back of a truck in Thurrock, in Essex. Um, 31 Vietnamese refugees, desperate people. They've been smuggled there and they just died in the back. This has got to stop. Uh, and you know, your heart just breaks when you think of these appalling, horrific stories. Uh, and it's it's um, it's 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 as bad as any any human can do to any other human. Stick them in the back of a truck, and and take their money off them first. These people are evil. So some of the measures might not look that attractive, but something's got to happen. And that's why I'm backing the government at the moment on the uh, illegal entry policy. Um, not not because we're just throwing people back, and, and I don't want that to happen. People have got to be looked after. If they're seeking refuge, if they come from Ukraine, welcome, come. If you're seeking refuge from a war-torn country. But if you're coming from somewhere like Albania, for instance, which is a stable, safe country, and you haven't gone through the legal process, I'm sorry, you go back there. And you might be interested to know that we've cut the Albanian immigration uh, uh, illegal immigration right down to virtually nothing now um, because they're going straight back. Um, and, and that's fair enough. But if you're coming from a war-torn, desperate country, yes, of course, we'll reach out. We've got a proud history in this country of looking after people and saying, welcome, come here, we'll help you. And, and what, we, what we need to do, in my view, is use what influence we have to help Albania become more successful so that people don't want to come here. A lot of the Ukrainians who come here want to go home to Ukraine the minute this terrible war's over. Your favourite album, Giles. What is that one album that you enjoy that you put on repeat, Giles? Your favourite album. <laughs> well, I did mention Led Zeppelin Two earlier, uh, which is which is just an incredible album. But not all the tracks from Led Zeppelin Two. There, there, there are some of you know, there are some. It's like, it's like the Beatles' White Album. It's got some great stuff on it, but bizarrely, it's got number nine on it. If you ever hear that one, there's nothing but just saying the number nine. So you have to kind of be picky. But I, I, I was fortunate enough to recently see um, Elton John. And, you know, he, there he is, middle of the road, uh, does uh, a lot of sort of uh, American kind of stuff. But actually, if you listen to that songwriting, he and Bernie Taupin were great. I mean, they, and they still are. And there he is out there. Um, he's, he's a little bit older than me. And he's still out there rocking it, filling stadiums. I mean, good for him. You know, I mean, virtually any Elton John album is 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 worth a listen, uh, in in my view. Although it's not not my sort of kind of um, heavier stuff that I like all the time. But uh, so you know, I have an eclectic mix. If you came, so I still have vinyl albums here, and I still have a good old vinyl player, and I love that. Do you know? And one of the things I love about that. Sorry, I'm going off piece a bit here. One of the things I love about vinyl is that from my generation. When you play a vinyl album, you know which track comes next. As you come to the end of the track, oh yeah, here's the next one. I know how this goes. And, and, and you, you're into it, you get into the groove. We had an evening here with some old friends of mine a little while back. And, we, and we, I just sat here and put on a few albums. Everything from Yes, Close to the Edge, which is kind of prog rock of the time. Uh, and, and we recognized, now oh, what comes next? And it was like almost a game. Yeah, we all knew from years and years of listening to albums. You don't get that with random mix and so forth. We've spoke about artists from history, but now we're going to bring it right up to the present day. We've done it on the politics side and now we're about to do it in the music side in a little feature, Giles, that we like to call Trash or Stash. And the aim of the game is very simple here. In this particular feature, we have four different clips from four different artists, four completely different tracks. And we'd just like to ask you one simple question when it comes to these uh, little clips, Giles. Would you, 
trash them would you completely get rid of them you wouldn't put them in your playlist you kind of leave them away from the shuffle part of your playlist or would you stash them would you put them there would you put them on repeat would you play them again would you listen to them on your walk as you're walking around the local area would you jam to these artists as you're going about your day-to-day -day business these are currently artists that are within the pop music industry now um and sort of artists that have influenced the pop industry to this day lovely stuff so with that in mind we're going to get to our first clip today and the first clip is the in fact the uk's eurovision song entry for 2023 obviously eurovision uh was three weeks ago at the time of recording uh but i'm just gonna give you this first clip for you to listen to giles this of course is may muller and i wrote a song let's take a little listen instead i wrote a song So very much taking it into the modern day, but how are you feeling on that clip, Giles? Would yeah. you would you trash it or would you stash I, it? What do you think? I have thinking? to say I've heard that before, uh, and um, uh, you know, I I never I never trash anything. I always listen to it. That's how I got into Eminem. You know, to begin with, I thought I thought Ooh. Eminem was like, ah, oh, what's he doing? He's just doing that. And then I thought Eminem was just kind of one of the greatest. He was a poet. He is a poet. He's just one of the greatest rapper artists ever. And I thought he was amazing. So I I wouldn't trash it. But I wouldn't. Would you sideline it? I'd sideline it. You'd okay, sideline that, it. That's, interesting. Okay, that's so interesting. It's not quite made the cut for the playlist, but on no. on the lowdown, you, you just give it a little pass. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's tricky because it's too much. It's one hundred percent one way or the other. But no sideline that one. Like if if it came on if it came on shuffle, you wouldn't skip past it. But you also wouldn't sing it no, word it for word. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't go that far down the line. We've got a second clip for you to try here, and I wonder if this will be a little bit higher up your playlist. Let's go to Flo and Missy Elliott. This is Fly Girl. Would you trash this or would you stash this, Giles? Have a listen. Let's Now, I've got to say, I've never heard that one, but I would play that one. I've Absolutely. Just, uh, got, got a nice hook to it. Correct right. answer. <laughs> so that is a definite stash. <laughs> that is the answer that we wanted. That is the answer that we wanted. <laughs> I just like the drive, the the beat. It just got me. I like the drive and the groove, and and it just and it just. Uh, I, I like the voice. I just like the voice, the the, the way it was smooth and tight, and I, it was it was just a it was a nice track. I liked it. Very good. So that is a definite stash from Giles Watling for Flo and Missy Elliott with Fly Girl. And we're going to try and get into our third clip now. Would you trash this or would you stash this, Giles? This is Freya Ridings and Can I Jump? Take a listen to this. Can I jump? How are you feeling about it? Now you got me. Now you've got me. That one doesn't grab me. Oh, okay. Uh, it doesn't grab me. Uh, to begin with, I thought, yeah, maybe I quite like the vocal. I wanted something to happen there. And it was, uh, da da da, so you walk away. I just thought, mm, uh, no, I don't know. 
<laughs> I've been down this road. I see. <laughs> but but I wouldn't tr- I wouldn't trash it. Good. I wouldn't trash Good. it. It's more of a sideline. It's another sideline. It's more of a sideline. Right, okay. And in our final track today on Sideline or Stash, Giles Watling, we have another track for you. Our final track from Anya Dean. If you called me today, I would come back tomorrow. Take a listen to this. Would you sideline this or would you stash this? Giles Watling. If I told my friends I didn't hate you, they would hate me because they were the ones who had to pick up all the broken pieces of your infidelity and all my insecurities. Somehow I've turned a nightmare to a dream. Anya Dean. I love that. I love that. Do you know why I like it? It's because it's simple. Little piano chords and she's doing it with her voice. And if I called you today, would you come back tomorrow? What a great title. I love the simplicity. You're not, you haven't got that, uh, just, just the voice and the few chords and immediately hooks you in. Very good. Amazing, beautiful. And that is a definite stash from Giles Watling. And that is, of course, Trash or Stash. Or as we found out today in this recording, it is Sideline or Stash with <laughs> Giles Watling. It's been great having you on the podcast. It's been great having you um, talking about your different musical genres, the musical soundtrack to your life. And of course, it's been great seeing you with that guitar as well. Um, The guitar was an incredible feature. Incredible feature. (laughs) I thought it might be fun. Absolutely, of course. Definitely, definitely. Still clutching the plectrum. You never know. Never never go anywhere. (laughs) Of course, it's been really good as well hearing about the musical theatre element to what you do and what you have been doing. It's very good to hear about your background, about your acting history and your journey into politics through there. Huge pleasure. I, I enjoyed it as well. It was great. It was great stuff. I, I, and I'll get practising again. I'll, I'll, I'll get the old guitar. <laughs> yeah. Lovely stuff. Thanks very much for coming on to the podcast today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that was the Conservative MP for Clacton, Giles Watling on Pop and Politics.